Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. Well, hello there. How are you doing? Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Is it Sarita? Sarita. Yep, you got it. Sarita. Okay. Sarita Dua. Thank you for joining us. This is my first time meeting you. It's a pleasure to meet you. We're excited to have you here today with us. We really appreciate you joining. You come from a really unique background in that you are, you're the broker over Ritz-Carlton residences. So when you think of that, I think most people, at least I think of, you're selling some pretty exclusive homes, but tell us more about what you guys actually do. Sure. Yeah. First of all, in Oregon, everybody's a broker. So I think around the country, right, you think of agents and then you think of brokers as being management or owning franchises, et cetera. In our vernacular, everybody's a broker. Um, and then if you're a managing broker or a principal broker, so that's just one subtle thing. And I think, you know, one of the sort of the takeaways already from the last day and a half of content here is is really just kind of making hay when the, when the sun shines and kind of pivoting and doing what you need to do. And so I have a strong, I've been in Portland 20 years now a real estate, in real estate for 16, really strong referral-based buyer business. I, you know, obviously because it's referral-based, I do listings and I do buyers, but really know the market from a buyer perspective and I'm enjoying what COVID and stay at home has brought us in terms of having to get creative and now having to really sharpen our toolkit that we can win in multiple offer situations. But then, yes, separately, uh, we do have the Ritz-Carlton residences coming to Portland in 2023. Uh, we've broken ground and it's a you know 42 month build. So we're, we're on track for Q1 2023. It will be the first five-star hotel in downtown Portland and the first uh, Ritz-Carlton branded residences in the Pacific Northwest. So very wow. excited to be the exclusive broker for that. So, you know, managing all the different hats, right? Being a luxury broker, but also um, understanding the market today and where, where we need to be today. We are definitely in reservations for that project and, and have a lot of excitement with that as well. So like that's everybody's dream to to win a project like that. How did you guys do that? Well, you know, I think I think part of it is, uh, and, and this is one of the, the things I've been talking about in, in the content that we'll be talking with multiple offers is, is I think having the confidence to go for it, right? I think we have imposter syndrome a lot of times like, oh, I can't interview for that or I don't have this background or, or there's 15 offers. How's my buyer going to win? And I think the first thing is truly believing that, you know, you can make a difference. And if you don't have what you might lack of experience, you bring innovation or a different way to look at it or just a different perspective. Um, I had just finished up an executive MBA at MIT. In fact, I just graduated in May. I was one of the few people that joined that program because I didn't want to change my career to learn. The problem is you never go into something saying you're not going to change because you change and yeah. you can't unsee things once you start thinking bigger. So um, growth creates kind of, change, right? Growth creates absolutely, change. absolutely. And so being prepared and kind of having a, a mindset of also 
from them on what it would take to succeed and having a lot of data as to who our buyer is and what our competition is from a buyer broker perspective is knowing uh, the persona of that buyer. What watch do they wear? What do they drive? How do they vacation? That helped me uh, secure that project, but also is helping me marketing it today with the right brokers and the right clientele. Okay. So I'm really excited to dive in to our topic today to win in multiple offer situations. I would think that this is probably the biggest challenge any real estate team is facing today because it used to be you might have multiple offers with two or three people. Now it can be 20 or 30 different offers, very unique situation. Somebody described it to me as it's like we're all drinking out of this pond in the middle of the desert and the pond just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And yeah. so how do we make sure that we're the ones getting a home? And so now more than ever, it's so important that a buyer selects an agent who can really make a difference in getting them into a into the home they want because it's it's not easy. And so Geez, hearing your tips on how do we do this? What do we need to do? And how do we train our buyer's agents to make sure they're doing the things they need to do so that they can win in these multiple offer situations where there's 20 or 30 offers? And in some cases, I'm seeing people offer, in Utah anyway, I'm seeing offers at 30,000, 40,000 above asking price that are still not winning the offer. Yeah, I mean, I just had one. It was a listing of mine, three eighty five, and it went for uh, over four sixty. You know, it's it's just crazy out there. So I think the first thing, I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on how we got here, but it is the perfect storm, right? We had a dam built when we did stay at home, where people didn't list because they didn't know what this COVID thing's going to be, and so all of our spring sellers didn't list. Meanwhile, the rates are so low, sub two five, two point three seven five. And, and ironically, if you have job instability, you almost want to buy a home even more <laughs> and get placed before, because if there's a layoff, you, you might be off track for a couple of years. So, so this is kind of creating this perfect storm of nothing to buy and everyone wanting to buy it. Um, and so what I'm loving, Brian, is the, I think, quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know if you remember uh, being a new driver and I remember getting my driver's license, volunteering to go get milk for my mom or my, or go get bread from the grocery store. You know, we were so excited, you know, putting the keys in, shifting into drive, the car kind of moves itself. We were really aware. And then somewhere along the way, you're on autopilot, right? We can get from point A to point B. We don't even remember driving. We can go on a long road trip and not even really remember it. And I think that for me as an agent, that's sort of what was happening as a I like to think of myself as a good agent, but we were just sort of going through the motions. And this time more than ever has had me really kind of check myself and get excited again as to what our craft is. So I use this sort of framework, three C's. The first C is confidence, actually having the confidence and not being intimidated by the situation. It really does boil down to expectations, right? You have to set expectations with your buyers that listen when you're 20 offers and you're wanting to, to go off of asking price, like below asking price with nothing down, you know, where, where's the teeth in this? Where's the skin in the game? I'll, I'll tell them straight up. I can't tell them exactly what the price will be that it'll take because if I knew that I'd be in Vegas counting cards, right? Like, but I can tell them if there's 10 offers. Uh, that it's likely going to go above asking and probably not just a little bit above. And so I'm pretty good at telling them what won't work. 
Um, so setting expectations with them that, hey, it's going to work the way it's supposed to. And, you know, if you do everything right, but short of robbing a bank, if we lose to someone that's all cash or 50% down and they remember every contingency there is, like at some point we just can't compete and, and that one wasn't going to, you know, we're just, it's not meant to be on that one. On the other side of it though, is just having the confidence to share with them what it takes. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we all do is we focus on the price much and there's so much more to an offer than the price. So I tell them the five parts of an offer is like price, earnest money, down payment or loan terms, close date and miscellaneous. Miscellaneous means inspection period, appraisal contingency. What are we going to do about repairs? They're going to be a rent back. That miscellaneous bucket matters now more than ever. And there are several ways to make an offer stronger without actually upping the price. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, you know, I guess the first takeaway here is to be a really great student of the game, how to write offers, know the mechanics. Uh, I use this joke, you know, we learn how to multiply in third grade, but we ha- we learn adding in kindergarten in first grade. And, and once you realize multiplying is so much faster, it's like, why didn't we learn multiplication first? It's because you need to know the basics. Know the basics of an offer. Know that sale agreement airtight. Know like our job is at like being a restaurant and giving them the menu of everything they can do. They don't, they may not remove every contingency under the sun. But if they're willing to pay 50K over asking, they probably would have been willing to waive repairs or limit repairs, but maybe their previous agent didn't tell them that that's something they could do. So at least giving them the full menu of different things they should be considering and then leaving it up to them, the buyer, and their motivation for that house as to which levers they're going to use. So I think that's the first step is just being confident knowing that you know you have anecdotes and stories and examples of how how they can win beyond price and then to me the the second part and and then i'm okay go ahead yeah before you move on from that i just have a question for you you talked about like waiving repairs somebody not waiving repairs like how important is it that you communicate as a buyer's agent that you communicate with the listing agent and find out what's important (laughs) You're yeah. cracking me up because we obviously did it in our pre a pre-talk because you didn't you were clarifying clarify you know c- pronunciation of my name. You're leading me right to my second C, which is communication. Perfect. So the main thing I do is after I tell the buyer these are the things to start thinking about with the offer, I also give them the out, right? Like I know you you're thinking about this house. Is there any concerns you have? Like you've slept on it now, like what are the issues you have? While I task them to think about price and some of the the mechanics we talked about, I tell them now I'm gonna go talk to the agent and figure out everything I can. And then I call the agent and I just introduce myself. I just say, hey, you know, my client Brian is digging your house, 123 Main Street. What can you tell me besides price that will make this a win for your seller? And then I like to talk, I'm a Leo. I will bite my tongue till it bleeds so that I don't talk and I just listen. It is amazing to me how much they tell you. I've had agents tell me literally the price it has to be. I have mm-hmm. some agents tell me, hey, they don't know where they're going. Well, the minute I hear they don't know where they're going, that means some flexibility, a rent back, some time after close would likely be, you know, welcome for them because they don't, they, they have a little bit of risk in that they don't know that we're making them homeless and they don't know where they're going. 
or they had three sale fails. So now for them, they could care less about price. They want to know every single way that this thing can fall apart and how, what are we doing to bulletproof the transaction? So guarantee. having, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just said, yeah, they just want to guarantee, give me a guarantee. This is going to close, right? That's that at that point, that's all they care about if it's falling <laughs> apart. Sometimes. I tell my sellers when I list a house and I tell my buyers when we're writing on a house, like the sellers want two things. They want the best price and they want the lowest risk. They want the highest probability that this horse is going to cross the finish line. And that's a combination of terms, great lender, amazing agent. You know, it's unfortunate, but you can't wake up and be a good agent today. You've actually had to be a good agent and have a great reputation throughout. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't be one of those agents that's like sort of known to be a shyster and then all of a sudden try to turn the leaf and just be a good, honest, responsible, responsive, high integrity agent that has a good reputation. Because many times, truthfully, if we were just playing on price, it would be price is right, right? Like the highest offer wins. Yeah. But that's a tough game. It's a game show. We don't know, you know, what the price will be. So we look at price, but we look at other parameters and sometimes they'll take escalation clauses. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes we can do a love letter. Sometimes for fair housing, who doesn't want the love letter. So, and the listing agent won't take them. So I think the truth is there are many times where I've gotten the call and they've said, Hey, Sarita, your client isn't the highest. You were 4k away or you were 8k away. But we know you, we've worked with you before. We like so many elements of your offer. Uh, would you either bump up or would you, could you match this term? Now, again, it's not exactly what we offered that we said was best and final, but my buyers in that situation are thrilled because now they had the first right of refusal, right? They, they at least had the option. They could either match it or walk away, but at least they're in the game and it's their decision versus just the seller's decision. So that yeah. communication, Brian, is so key. And I got to be honest, it's embarrassing to me as a 51-year-old with millennial kids that are 19 and 21. It's embarrassing to me as agents. We're forgetting that as agents, we prefer to each other we're forgetting the just the the art of conversation and picking mm. up the phone and yep. when you pick up the phone you don't realize that every conversation you have is is rapport building if you've been enjoying grit please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend now back to grit i get it i mean i i get a call from marriott or some timeshare every minute like I get so much robocalls that there's a lot of us that don't pick up the phone real time. However, even if that agent is too busy and you offered to talk and after multiple attempts, then you're texting. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've received an offer without a phone call, without even a message. I'm now about to present offers and I happen to check my spam and there's an offer sitting there. But that agent never even tried to tell them that they're sending an offer. Yes. Yeah, so what, so what is the percentage that you're going to take that offer if they haven't even communicated with you? Right. It's very low, right? It is because at this point, I mean, I can look at everything on paper, but I'm counting on that agent to do their job when the appraisal doesn't come in or when there's a crazy repair. It's that agent coaching the buyer. And if I'm not communicating with them, I don't know enough about their ability to do it. I had one situation where... It happened to be my listing, multiple offers. I got my managing broker involved, so there'd be no conflict of interest. But my buyer's agent happened to write on our listing. We were not the highest offer, but the highest, the highest offer didn't call us. 
used the wrong form. I mean, literally had a septic tank form when there was, it was just public sewer line, like didn't know how to fill out the paperwork. Yeah. And I just, I just presented it to the agent. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, like this one's 5k higher, but like, there's a little bit of risk here. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm just telling you everything. This is a spreadsheet here. And they're like, Sarita, 5k is nothing for peace of mind. I need this thing to close. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring this one up 3k and they had such peace of mind. They had a free rent back that they didn't even use, but it just, they were, you know, def- definitely risk averse, didn't want to take the risk. So we gave it, we left it to them, but prices and everything and it is amazing to me uh i mean i know if i pull the audience but like i know i'm not the only one that's had this happen where you get offers and you haven't had a conversation or you know people not even attempting to present i we don't have time to present in person and safety and health like we may not do it in person but at least make sure that you send the offer and say look i need five minutes if you want to walk through the salient points of the offer make sure you don't have any questions and paint that picture I BCC the lender so that the lender magically calls the, the listing agent as well and say, hey, just so you know, you, uh, Sarita mentioned that she's got a VIP client offering this house. Before you even call me, I want to tell you that credit income and assets have been verified. These people are solid. And so just little things like that. What are we doing? It's those two things, right? Best terms, but lowest risk. We're moving that risk for that listing agent, knowing that we're doing everything we can to assure them it's a strong offer. I love this. If every agent just knew this little secret, I mean, it's so important, but we've gone away from communicating. Like you say, will you give me that question one more time that you ask when you call the agent? Sure. Hey, Brian, my clients are digging one, two, three, four Main Street. Can you tell me besides price, what would what would make this a win for your seller? We're definitely going to write an offer besides price. What would make this a win for your seller? And yeah. then just stop and listen. And then when you listen right there, I've seen it, which the way you say that is magical. And then I've seen it where they'll actually, you say, sometimes they'll tell you everything. Mm-hmm. I've seen it where they'll say, yeah, if if you'll bring me an offer that has this, this, and this in it, we'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had someone, I, I can remember, it was like nine years ago, but I still remember it. The agent, it was sitting around 370 for a bit, 370 or 380, we were gonna kind of lowball it at 360. And when I called the agent, just feeling her out, also make sure nothing had happened because it's sort of been sitting there a long time. Like obviously this wasn't in this market, but still. I called her and she goes, Sarita, they'd take 350. I mean, we were gonna go at 360. Yeah. She said, they'd take 350. Well, we offered 340. We put it together at like 342 or 344 or something like that. But it was a good almost 20 off of where we were expecting to come in because she told me now maybe she's a bad agent not doing her fiduciary maybe she's a brilliant agent it may be that that seller said listen i want it sold and you're free to tell them that this is the number i'll take i'm not going to pass any judgment all i know is by having the conversation my buyer had a better outcome and got the house so you never assume anything i mean at the end of the day you can't I would just say, can't blame a girl for trying, you know, like I'll, I'll add, i won't say numbers but like i'll just ask and if they won't tell me even if they shut me down a bit um, I'll still immediately text them after, Hey, thank you so much for your time. You'll be, you know, we're going to be in touch and we're going to get you a good clean offer. Thank you. I mean, already they're going to start recognizing my name. Yeah. I guarantee you, Brian, if push came to shove and there were the offers and they were all exactly the same, we know offers aren't exactly the same, but let's say they were exactly the same. She, you know, they're going to still remember, man, she did all of this to get her buyer, uh, this house. 
you know, once we're together, we're going to be on the same side here, which is a smooth and successful close for all because she's trying so hard for her buyer. She's doing her job, right? So if nothing else, it subtly is going to give you an advantage that you you took the time to have the communication. I absolutely 100% agree with that, Sarita. So tell me about the third C. So my third C is really creativity. Um and again, like I said, I'm enjoying this again. Um, I had a weekend, I, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but I had a weekend, Memorial Day weekend, where we had 10 multiple offer situations, three on my listing, seven on buyers. It never happens, but I won all seven. And it was really fun. And part of it was being creative, right? That's when um, you know you have mastered the craft. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's fun, right? And and I, like I said, it helps 16 years in the business with the, you know, I always joke, it's Medea, Sharon, Sarita. I can, I have one of those names I could use only my first name and people know me in my market and they know I've been at three different firms. So they know, you know, I've, I've worked with many of the different brokers and I've volunteered as well. But um, that creativity comes from like, again, knowing those menu options, like, Hey, you know, I'll say this, I'll tell my buyers, look, unless you're an inspector or unless you're like tearing down the house, it's not wise usually to just give up your right to terminate due to the inspection. But you can say something like, hey, if we move forward with this transaction, we're not waiving our right to terminate. But if we move forward after the inspection, we will do so with a either no repairs or b only asking you for items that are $1,500 or more per line item. So just the major safety structure type items, not crooked light fixtures and, you know, scuffs on the wall or whatnot. Right. And appraisal waivers too. You know, we're waiving the appraisal as long as it appraises at list price, we're not going to back out due to the appraisal. And we do have enough money to adjust our down to be 20% of the lower amount and bring in the rest with cash, right? Again, most of the time, it's even with this craziness, it's been pretty rare that I've, I've had a huge gap on appraisal lately. But just knowing that we've talked about it and we've, we've sort of workshopped that scenario and we know that the buyer has the cash and then it's another way for me to go and stay back in touch with the agent. Like, by the way, after our conversation, I talked to the lender, I talked to the buyer, we reviewed how much cash she has, we created a spreadsheet, we know worst case and best case, we can handle the cash. There's no hesitation at all, right? That just gives that agent an added sense of confidence that these aren't just words and we're not going to freak out and have remorse because we've put some thought into it. Yeah, so and, that, and there are a lot of people writing offers today that are writing them way over with the anticipation that they're going to bring it down with the appraisal. Right. So, and let, let's so be honest. Addressing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the seller has the leverage at the offer time, but the buyer has the leverage at the inspection time, right? And so making sure that we know that, but we're kind of acknowledging the seller that we're going to behave and, and not be, you know, hold them hostage after. Another creative thing we've been doing is, you know, I know my friend Via called it a bully offer. I call it sweeping in and stealing a house. Like I, I had one where we showed it Thursday. We had the offer in Friday morning. The deadline was Monday night. And I knew if we waited, like my client knew this was the house. They had looked at everything and we wrote even some offers that didn't work and this was the one. And it was amazing to me to see how his motivation changed. Part of it was two teenagers in an apartment due to COVID, you know, now home 24 seven, right? Like things changed and he was way more willing to play by the rules to get a house than he was before. Um, and we said, hey, listen, we're giving you an amazing offer. And we dialed every portion of the offer over asking high earnest money, short inspection period, no repairs, 
no appraisal waiver, you know, no, uh, no backing out due to the appraisal. And we said, listen, this guy loves this house. He has to have it. He's not going to be able to wait till Monday. In fact, I have an inspection on hold for Monday and we can close in three weeks. And I'm obviously respectful. Like I get it. You said Monday and here I am doing this 24 hour offer on Friday, but I'll tell you this. He loves it. He wants it. And it's a bird in the hand for your seller. You can be done. No more people through your house, you know, et cetera. And will we be here on Monday if you don't accept this? Of course they will. Like they love the house, but I can't guarantee the sweeteners that they've put in now are going to be there. This, these, this offer as written expires on Saturday at five or whatever. Saturday at four comes around. They call me, hey, Serena, we're going to do it. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a hedge for everyone, right? They might have more offers and better offers, or they may not. The first hour of this, they don't know. And a bunch of showings don't always translate to offers. In fact, sometimes people get discouraged with an offer deadline. They're like, ah, oh, it's going to go crazy. I don't want to play. So I've done some creative things like that. The trick is like, I, I know people who are watching might be like, well, that's kind of an, you know, that's, that's, you're being an ass. You're being disrespectful. You're not listening. I mean, the way, the way you're doing that is it's really totally respectful. It's, Hey, you know what? Here's an offer that is, you're giving them the highest confidence that it is going to close and close quickly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and honestly, like full disclosure, we couldn't even meet the terms if we waited till Tuesday, right? We, we had such a compressed timeline. Part of it was accepting it right away and it was a bird in the hand and they can take it or not. But the trick with doing that stuff, especially when you're like literally blowing off the rule that has been set up right for you, which is a deadline, is yeah. to do it respectfully, right? My client has instructed me to put this in front of you. We hope it works. We understand if it won't, but like, if nothing else, the message you have here is they want this house and they're willing to pull out of the stops. Um, we'd love to have a conversation. And so here you go. And, and it's a, it's amazing. Like I said, people get a chance to sleep on it. They see all these offers. They're exasperated by the whole thing. It's stressful for everybody. And we I've, I've done that multiple times this year and it's worked. Um, but you just have to do it, you know, professionally and respectfully and not... I think sometimes as agents, we forget we're not on title. It's not we, it's our client, right? So we get a little emotion. Sometimes our emotional, our egos sometimes come into play. At the end of the day, we're working hard for our clients, not, I mean, this isn't about us. And we have to just, again, give the, our clients a choice and see if this is something they want to try. But my client had knew right away, not only did they know this was the one, they also knew at a certain level it wouldn't work for them. Like they were willing to go above asking and pull out all the stops. But if it would have gotten out of hand, they just, it would have been too rich for their blood. They did have a limit. They were, they were very motivated by the conventional limit of 510, 400. So every dollar over that is money out of their pocket. Right. So, um, so at some point, even though they were well approved for hire to not go into jumbo trades, like they really wanted to keep it at a number that would work for them. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that's really obvious that I've discovered in the last 30 minutes, and that's what an amazing agent you are. So uh, Thank you. congratulations on that. I'm wondering, I think a lot of people listening right now would be like, hey, I, I wouldn't mind her spending some time with my team. Is that something you'd be open to if somebody wanted uh, that? I would love that. In fact, I've been doing this training a little bit um, ad hoc as, and, and getting some good feedback on it. And I think it's so timely so that if anyone did want to 
have me speak or take some of this and expand it beyond 30 minutes, it'd be an honor. So just reach out to me, find me on Facebook. My handle on my website is askserita, askserita.com. And usually my cell is plastered everywhere as well. So just reach out to me directly. Okay. So askserita.com and, and you have access to Sarita to, to just work with your team to make sure they've mastered this. So some, some great tips. Uh, I really enjoyed having you with us today. So thank you so much for coming on and, and joining us at the summit. Thank you. The summit's been really just first class all the way. It's an honor being part of it. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Great to see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.